First of all, how are you and how is Alfie and the family? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very busy. I'm still campaigning a lot for families that I work with, with the End Our Pain campaign group and as a patient advocate in the UK. So I'm very, very busy. Alfie had 11 months seizure free. He did have some clusters at the beginning of the year, but we, we we seem to be getting on top of that. I think it's really important that people remember, you know, that cannabis medicine is not a cure, um, but it is the best treatment he's ever had. And having 11 months seizure free was just absolutely amazing. So he's doing incredibly well. He's got good and happy life. And that's what we always that's that was always the goal. It's now pretty much one year since uh, Alfie got his original license. Mm. If you want to go back to that day just for a moment, what what? What are the main things that you remember? I knew it was going to be a big day. Um, I went to see John Humphreys at the Today programme. That was my first media appointment. And he just asked me about my meeting with Theresa May. And um, I told the truth. You know, she spoke to me. She spoke to me about my family. She'd asked me about Alfie. I told her about the, the products that, that were available in Holland that I wanted to use in England. And, you know, my quote that day was that she looked me in the eye and she told me that she'd help me. And I felt like I'd been played, which I did. You know, I, I, however you put it, whatever you do, however much strength you have, when you boil it down, I am still a mother of a very vulnerable child who's very ill. And I, you know, he was at that point having clusters again because we had to remove the THC to ensure that we weren't doing anything illegal in the UK. So I felt that, you know, after working with the Home Office for three months, that at that point we should have had a we should have had an answer about whether we could have our license. So that was my first media appointment, and then I did some radio, and then I got the phone call from Minister Nick Hurd, who was the policing minister, who is the policing minister, um, to tell me that the license would be issued. And I it was I burst into tears. I was so overjoyed. And his his quote to me was, "Today we've changed history together," which was really nice because I know that probably we were putting him in a position he didn't want to be in but I've always had a really good relationship with him and we've always been very respectful of each other and it was just a really nice thing for him to say um but I couldn't tell anyone because they were going to announce it but they told me like an hour before they were going to announce it in the house of commons obviously but it was I was so overwhelmed and so proud can I ask about Alfie in particular what's the sort of biggest change you've noticed in him and how has life as a family changed ever since that license was granted Well, he's enjoying his life a lot more. I mean, before we went to Holland, he was in hospital 48 times in one year. So that I think that puts it into cold start context. That's one once a week, basically. Um, He was in hospital. He was having hundreds of seizures. He was we were using lots of rescue meds, lots of intravenous drugs. He was very, very poorly. We would be in hospital anything up to five days. He would then be home very aggressive, very difficult, very upset because he was coming off major, major drugs. I, you know, I always said to people, how do you, how do you parent a child who's having a drug withdrawal? I mean, no one tells you that. No one supports you with that. No one teaches you how to, no one teaches you how to parent anyway, but let alone someone who's like that. It was incredibly hard. We were just existing. I was a full-time carer. Um, I couldn't work. I was very isolated. I didn't go out with friends. I didn't do anything. I was very, very traumatised, very upset. Since he's had medical cannabis, that's all changed. I'm working, Drew's working, our daughter is happier. I mean, it's not perfect. Obviously, Alfie still sometimes has seizures. But when he does have them, he has one or two. You know, we might need to go into hospital and have one dose of intravenous steroids for four hours and then we're home it's 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 so much better so cannabis does stop seizures but it also reduces them when they come so you know we'll always worry 
it'll always be hard at times, but it's so much easier. Our neurologist said to us, Alfie's epilepsy is the worst he's ever seen. You know, so put it into context. For Alfie, it's not a cure, but I think for lots of people, it does change their lives. And, and for us, it's changed our lives. So if we move on now to around about November time, when the law was changed, I remember a few weeks before when they announced they were going to change it and we were waiting mm. for these NHS guidelines. Mm. Um, and then they came and it's it was just a bit of a damn squib in the end to put it one way. How did you feel when you saw those guidelines come out? At that point, I was really hoping that they would be good and they would be balanced. When we saw them on the 31st of October in the evening, I was absolutely distraught because they're not balanced. The BPNA guidance, which is the British Paediatric Neurology Association, which is a charity headed up by, you know, the most eminent paediatricians in neurology in the country. If you look at that guidance, it's extremely restrictive. They say that only one medicine called Epidiolex, which has been through randomised controlled trials, can be prescribed. That's actually not licensed at the moment, so it can't be prescribed. Mm-hmm. So then you're, there's nothing. And they're saying oils such as Alfie's, like Bedrolite and Bedrica, which is made by a company called Bedrocam, which is GMP, which is what the Home Office said could be prescribed. They're saying there isn't enough evidence that those medicines can help. So we have a problem. And what we need to do is embrace the fact that this is different. This is exceptional. So the problem that parents and patients find now, I think, is that they feel that they're lied to. Have you had any contact with the BPNA? Personally, no. Uh, I know Endar Payne have, and they've discussed it with them. And they say, this is only guidance. Doctors can prescribe if they want to prescribe. If they think there's the evidence there, they can prescribe. The problem we have is it's not the doctors, it's the trusts. The trusts are taking on the BPNA guidance as read, as law, So they're preventing all their doctors from prescribing. Some doctors are very reticent about it because they don't understand it. I went to a conference recently where I talked to lots of epilepsy nurses and they all said, well, we don't know anything about cannabis. Again, when the law was changed, training should have been rolled out straight away. The government should be doing it and it's not been done. So you have families who I work with who are either being prescribed it through a a paediatrician in Holland and bringing it back, which is criminalising themselves and they shouldn't have to do that, or you're going to private consultants and private consultants will prescribe because they are not bound by trusts and the BPNA guidance like NHS doctors. And that's costing up to £3,000 a month. These are vulnerable families with mothers who are usually on £60 carers allowance a week. They're having to raise money. They're having to do quiz nights and discos and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They shouldn't have to do that. They've got very seriously ill children. They should be enjoying their life with their children as much as possible. They should be being given this medicine through the NHS and it should be funded. When the BPNA, like, say, oh, well, it's only just guidance, they can still do it. Do you feel that's a pretty much a cop-out answer? Absolutely. I think that they know that doctors will listen to their guidance. And I think they say it because they don't want to be seen as the bad guys. I know people are fearful, but the way you change fear is educate. I do think this is a patient-led revolution where patients are saying, actually, I want to try cannabis. I'd rather that than try benzodiazepines with my baby, which is absolutely their right. And doctors do not like being told by patients what is right for their patients, I'm afraid. Some doctors do, and I'm very lucky the doctors I work with are very open and very receptive to what I want to do for my child and are very supportive. But many doctors are not like that and they do not like to be told what to do by patients. And I think that's a big problem here as well. Do you feel medical cannabis prescription is one of the many things being frustrated by 
Brexit, the fact that government and parliament is completely gridlocked. I know you have a lot of MPs on your side, but when you mm-hmm. need fully rounded support from parliament and government at this time when you need them to say, look, doctors, you need to start prescribing this, they're just not there for you. Absolutely. I mean, the government's stance at the moment is we changed the law. It's now up to doctors to prescribe. That's their that's their position. The problem is the guidance. And the government could say tomorrow, actually, we'll take on the Medical Cannabis Clinician Society guidance as well, which has, has created balanced guidance, which is brilliant. We can, we can withdraw the BPNA guidance or we can ask them to rewrite it and make it more balanced. They could do those things. But instead of doing that, they just say you know, we are not going to get involved. We've got serious problems in this country, not just medical cannabis, serious, serious problems in society in this country, and they are all being ignored because of Brexit. Going back to March, when we were all in Parliament for that Mm. event, I was astounded by the amount of people that were there, the amount of families that this situation has touched. Mm. Do you feel like that you've created a community of people across the whole of the UK looking at this one certain goal but also have found each other in time of need before i went to holland i thought i was the only mother in the whole world with a child with severe epilepsy i know that i wasn't i know i did speak to other people but i couldn't i couldn't relate to people and they couldn't relate to me and i was feeling all these emotions that i thought were you know how could i feel resentment this is my child you know but i didn't resent him i resented the situation i resented watching him suffer so much I thought that I was the only person that felt those things. And when I've met all these wonderful families through my work with End Our Pain, I realised that I'm, I'm not the only person that feels that. They all feel that. And we are all great friends and we'll probably be great friends for life. And that is really touching because having a child with epilepsy makes you feel very, very alone. And yeah, so there's so much positivity that's come out of what we've done last year and, and the, ama- the amazing families that I support who... I will not rest until they will get what they need for their children. Coming off from that, nobody would have probably begrudged you after Alfie got his license being like, right, that's it. I've got what I'm needed. I'm going to like step away and, you know, have the family life that that you have. But you've devoted a lot of the past year as well helping others. Did you feel a sort of responsibility after Alfie had got his license? Me and Alfie spearheaded this change. But I know it sounds a bit sort of, silly a bit twee but I feel like it's my calling you know I've never found anything in my life that I'm so passionate about I love the community I'm in I think medical cannabis is amazing I think that everyone should have the chance to use it because of the way it's changed my life and I want to make that happen for people what are the main things do you look at from the past few years thinking wow like look what we've changed here and then looking a year like maybe in a year's time what do you hope will be changing further if I think about who I was, I mean, we, we pretty much started our campaign the end of 2016. Then I was a very terrified, traumatised, not very well person, I don't think. You know, I was literally going in hospital every week with my child. I was in a real bad way. I had to do everything and I feel very frustrated by that. I, I, and I know, I, I know it's because the NHS is massively underfunded. I know it's because there's no services and it's not people's fault. But I felt incredibly let down. I don't know really what exactly what happened, but one day I just got up and I thought, I'm, I'm done. I'm absolutely done with this. I'm done with watching my relationship crumble. I'm done with watching my children, my little daughter, be very un, unhappy because of the way I feel. I'm done with worrying every day if my child's going to die. And I need to change it and I need to do something about it. And Drew and I have always said 
that whatever happens to Alfie, we don't know what Alfie's prognosis is, but whatever happens to him, we need to know that we've done everything to fight for him and give him the best life so we can sleep at night easy in the knowledge of knowing that we did everything we could. So in a year's time, obviously, um, there is the medical cannabis clinics opening very soon in the next month. And I hope that in time, NHS doctors will see the impact on patients and will start to prescribe. And I'd like to think in a year's time, we will start seeing NHS prescriptions over the next year.